Welcome to Random Rewards, the one and only, the beautiful, the most exciting and most fun gamification show. Welcome to Random Rewards, the podcast where we discuss how to make business more fun with gamification. Hi, everyone, and I'm Sabrina, and with me is Chris. Hello. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great. And, And yourself, Sabrina? I'm really excited because today we are talking about something super exciting. What did you think? I mean, it's pretty exciting. I think you might think it's more exciting than me, but uh, in case you haven't listened before, is how it works is we open by discussing a game and then we deconstruct how that game motivates users, take that secret sauce and solve a random business problem with it. And so today we're going to talk about pinball. So if you like to discuss a particular game, please send us an email at randomrewards at octalysisgroup.com. Yes. Yeah. So pinball. Um, This is a way older game than I thought it was, actually. Um, Hmm. Like even uh, like the uh, pinball, like the the machinery of it was invented like a long time ago, like before the turn of the last century. And then um, it wasn't until like around 1934, or no, 1947, the flippers were introduced. That's kind of how I think of pinball in general. I usually like explain how a game, what a game is, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows what pinball is, but I could be wrong. Um, If you don't know what pinball is, it's a game with like a tilted table, Um, and you use a spring to shoot a ball into an area and you don't want the ball to fall back down. You want into the gutter at the bottom of the table um, and it's it's always rolling towards it. And so the only way that it can go back up is by hitting other like bumpers, things that like cause it to go in different directions or the flippers, as I mentioned. So um, that's really the point, yeah. So that's interesting. So you say the flippers were introduced in 47, but beforehand pinball already pinball existed. existed. So it was just a random game. I don't know. I didn't do enough research to, to know about that, but, but wow. uh, yeah, one could so imagine it, it's all just complete randomness. Then you just hit a spring and it's just like, where is it going to go? I don't know. So if you guys know how that worked before 47, please let us know because now I'm really curious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, and then you, by shooting the ball up the table, you can like rack up a high score or, or the goal is to not just not let the ball fall, but also to get a high score uh, Yeah. and then get listed on the table. There's actually so many versions of pinballs, right? There's, there's, millions and the funny thing is i actually have a pinball at home from the 70s it's like a surf pinball all of them have like this really epic theme some are like space themed some are surfing themed (laughs) jungle theme yeah so really exciting actually yeah so we're going to talk about the uh core drives and if you don't know what the core drives are They're part of the Octalysis framework, which has the eight core drives of motivation. Very cool framework for discussing how motivation works and there's lots of nuances to it, Um, but we're going to use that lens to look at pinball. So what would you say Mm -hmm. is the main core drive of pinball? 
So actually, there is a lot of choreograph eight, yeah. obviously, because you want to avoid having the ball falling down what's, to the gutter. What's core drive eight? Core drive eight. It's yeah. a good question. Core drive eight is loss and avoidance. So you're scared of losing that ball, right? It goes yeah. down the gutter. That's like the main motivation. You're trying to you're trying to keep that ball alive, basically. Right. And you have a limited amount of balls too. Yeah. So that's also a little bit of core drive six. So um, that's scarcity and impatience. Yeah. So I think that's the main ones, but then depending on the game as well, yeah. there's other core drives. Oh, and there's obviously also the score. So there's a lot of core drive two, which mm -hmm. is um, development and accomplishment. Yeah. So you get added higher scores, points are added, and, um, uh, and, and, and also you compete against others in that score, right? Yeah. So you have a little bit of quarter five, social influence and relatedness. Right. So you're always playing against others. Usually, I mean, you can play it alone, but it's kind of boring. So it's way right. more fun to play together. I'm not sure if in 47, there were already multiplayers, but yeah. I, in my version, the seventies version, I think it's 74. Mm -hmm it actually has the, the four players. So four player mode. And it makes this really cool sound, actually. <laughs> if you change player, it makes like duk, 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 duk. And then the ball comes out, it's like vroom. <laughs> it's really cool. I really love that sound. It's like this nostalgic sound. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I really like just listening to you make sounds about, <laughs> about all the things <laughs> we're doing, like the drum rolls, the pinball sounds. Oh, please, please do some like funny cutouts of the, of the podcast with my, with my, my funny sounds. Yeah. Uh, the other day, somebody actually took a picture of me when I make a sound. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> interesting. I don't know. I, I posted a video on, on Instagram when I make sounds. I, I apparently I make sounds all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, <laughs> this is one of your talents. Is, is CD seven unpredictability yeah. and curiosity. Yeah. Well, yeah. never know funny, what I'm coming up. It's funny you bring that up because uh, core drive seven unpredictability and curiosity is one of the main core drives as well because you never know where the ball is going to land. Definitely. It's like impossible. Maybe some people can like predict path of the ball but there's so many like there's so many things that introduce randomness into it so the ball mm -hmm. like you have a little bit of control over how hard you hit the ball with the spring so then it goes into Definitely. the tilted area but besides that you have almost no control um over where the ball goes so it's just like floating around it's hitting random bumpers it's like getting sucked up into a contraption and shot out at at you and so you're always like on guard with the flippers trying to like make sure that the ball um, doesn't go through the middle hole which I feel like there's no way to avoid it some sometimes like it just Actually, goes straight yeah. through sometimes sometimes but I need to disagree a little bit oh, because really? I feel as 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 a professional pinballer right uh -huh. obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've been pinballing since I was like three years old yeah. and I could see over the pinball machine, I guess, not really, probably I used a chair or my dad, but there's a lot of strategy actually involved on how you, you, you mentioned the, the strength of how much you, you mm -hmm. push the ball in the beginning. Like if you, if you take that feather out and it's like, and it goes up and 
I knew exactly how much I need to pull that, that feather out, that it goes into the middle. And if it goes into the middle straight in, it gives you so many bonus points. So there's a lot of strategy involved. So this is a lot of CD3, which is empowerment of creativity and feedback. Mm-hmm. And also, depending on how you, how you push the, the ball with the flipper, depending on the ankle, it would go in the right direction. And so like that, you can, you can actually give, give it like a push in mm-hmm. and, and boost certain areas. So in my flipper, there was the case that you need to, you hit certain targets and based yeah. on where you're hitting the combination of the hit points, yeah. it gives you a booster, like booster points and it gives you a bonus ball mm-hmm. <laughs> that as well. And it closes the lids on the side. Yeah. So it would give like a barrier. So you, it can't fall down on the sides at least. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, so what's interesting about this game, what I'm getting from you is that, so my experience of it as a not professional pinballer <laughs> is, is it's a lot of black hat design, which means a lot of design that promotes this feeling of urgency, but not control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that comes a lot for me from the randomness and, and the loss and avoidance. So, but if you get better, if you exercise your core drive to development and accomplishment, you actually introduce more strategy into it. Mm-hmm. So it becomes more um, intrinsic and more, well, it's always intrinsic uh, uh, because the randomness is still on, on the intrinsic side of the motivation, but, but you become better and better and you feel like you have more control as you, as you continue. So a lot of games, yeah. so what's interesting is pinball doesn't really have much of an onboarding. And, uh, and that is kind of to its detriment because you play it for like a couple of time, you know, you play a couple rounds, you lose the balls, you don't feel like you get any better. There's no way to know you get better except for the score. There's like nothing that teaches you how to be better mm-hmm. at pinball. And so if you can get better at it, then you can feel that mastery and also that strategy, that, that feeling of empowerment and strategy. Um, mm, so, true. so it's got a high threshold for learning, but it is possible to change the motivation. It's kind of a little bit like chess too. Like with chess, you also don't really have an onboarding and it's really hard in the beginning and you fail a lot, but right. then it gets more and more strategic as further you get and it gets more and more motivating. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting design to make something really hard and random up front, but then mm-hmm. as you get better at it, there's more control. Yeah. And I think as a child, it actually made me cheat a little. I oh yeah, did you tilt the ball, t- tilt the table? Yeah, maybe, yeah, okay, that too. But actually I meant something else because I oh, found out that there was actually a sort of mechanical error in my pinball machine. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you hit certain places it, it it gets stuck in that place and it just goes on this like super loop. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's stuck, super loop. It's stuck there. <laughs> <laughs> and also another trick was player number two. If you get player number two, you automatically get a higher score. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It kind of calculated the points differently. So every time I had friends over <laughs> or my parents, I played with my parents, exactly. I would just say like, oh, I'm player two. <laughs> because I knew player number two has got to have the higher scores. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they're always like, oh my God, you're so good. Why are you so good? <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like a time I played, calling back to a previous episode, uh, Uno, and I just rigged the deck. <laughs> <laughs> so I was the one who had the wild draw fours, like every time, like just put oh wild draw fours in every, every four. Uh, yes, gaming the system since we were children. It was, it was, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Not just children, but okay, yeah. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what's interesting about pinball is that it felt, it feels like it had its heyday kind of in the, as you say, the 70s is like when your machine is from and the mm. 80s. And I think this is big because arcades were really like a really big thing. Like now, mm, arcades are, exist, um, at least pre corona times, uh, but they're not like a center for where people game because used to arcades were the only place that games existed and pinball yeah. was like unless you go to japan where arcades japan. are like in every single corner <laughs> <laughs> right in america i guess is what i'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> and and so arcades are still a thing but it's not it's like gaming is everywhere now and so so pinball i think is like just kind of one of those classic games that you can play like on your phone or something but i don't feel mm -hmm. like it has the staying power in that medium but that being said there is a really great game if you like pinball, but you have some of the issues that I've experienced where you feel like it's, there's too much black hat, there's too much urgency, um, is this game called Yoku's Island Express. And uh, that combines pinball with a Metroidvania style platformer. Um, so you're like in this open world and in order to traverse it, you have to use pinball-like mechanisms to get yourself around. And it's really cool and you, you unlock powers, and those allow you to get around quicker and in more interesting ways. Uh, it's got a really beautiful art style as well. So I'd highly recommend that game to anybody who's like a recovering pinball, um, not person who didn't like pinball that much. That is yeah, the game that exciting. turned me around to it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I remember I looked at some of, the, some of the game and it looks a bit like Raymond needs pinball. Which is pretty cool by itself, right? Perfect because I was a huge Raymond fan and I'm a huge pinball fan. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it's, um, you know, like uh, one way we talk about, so it's when we think of an experience, oftentimes we're thinking of core drives that, uh, that motivate people to take action, also anti-core drives. So core drives mm -hmm. that motivate people to do things other than the desired action. So if I'm going to mm -hmm. play pinball and I'm, experiencing too much unpredictability, then I might stop playing the game, which is definitely not a desired action for the maker of the game. They want me to put as many quarters in it as possible. So, mm -hmm. so in something like Yoku's Island, you actually use your pinball skills to explore the island. So that's core drive seven, unpredictability and curiosity in a way that makes me want to keep playing the game as opposed to the randomness of the feeling of the pinball. So that's one way to change the experience of pinball to make it a little more um as we call it white hat or make give you a feeling of control and uh and that feeling of exploration so mm -hmm. yeah that sounds really exciting i i definitely need to play this game as well yeah as an avid long long time pinballer that's the definitely. word right <laughs> um, <laughs> so but we're not here to just recommend games for you to play um gamification isn't just fun. It's also the key to long-term engagement mm -hmm. for users. I mean, pinball has been around for like over a hundred years. So clearly they're doing something right. 
Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to choose a random industry and top business metric and then brainstorm um, some solutions about how to make that industry app or experience more engaging. Uh, this is something we do all the time at the Octalysis Group for clients to create high ROI designs. So let's get into it. Uh, drum roll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be talking about the banking industry. Oh my goodness, I'm getting scared. <laughs> yes, the banking industry, which is definitely like, it's kind of, the whole financial industry is a little bit like shaky right now, so. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of a daunting topic to talk about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, on one hand, sometimes we talk about like specific companies or specific types of uh, uh, apps and here we're talking about a whole industry so we could zero in a little more and say it's like this type of bank like is it a credit union or um, is it like a big huge is a huge bank is it a bank in what country um, or we could talk about it more generally um, but what the first thing we would do is talk about some business metrics so if somebody if a client came to us and they wanted us to improve the engagement of their experience then the first step we would take is called the strategy dashboard where we, we highlight um, the main things they need to, to know in order to improve any experience. So uh, as part of that is the business metrics. So the top business metric I think for a bank would be revenue. Would you <laughs> disagree with that? I think I would agree with that. I mean, it's all about the money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, banking kind of like uh, existed as if it was like one of the first businesses where like money was created out of nothing. Like yeah. when I say nothing, I mean, no labor was exchanged. It was only just money in order to store your money as opposed to like money for goods or commodities mm -hmm. or a service or something like that. So yeah, I would, I would put revenue at the top. <laughs> <laughs> But then if we like, we kind of slice that down, we think about other priorities, um, the, you know, other things might be total assets under management. So it's not just the revenue the bank makes, but how much, how much money they have stored um, yeah. is probably important to them, as well as the number of accounts. And then we kind of think about, okay, well, there's different types of accounts. And that leads us to our next step, which is our player types. Um, and our player types are basically, we want to think about the different types of people who are going to engage in the in the app or experience mm. uh, and what motivates them differently. So uh, two main ones that I see here are like businesses and people. So those are two different entities that use a bank for similar reasons, but they use it in different ways. Yeah. And then also with people, it can be very different uh, different sorts of people, right? Yeah. You, you sometimes have the private banks um, mm -hmm. as well that, mm -hmm. that are targeted to more of the high net worth individuals maybe. Right. Uh, depends on the service of the bank as well. Right, you know? yeah. Yeah, because banks sometimes give out loans or you know, they, they, they do other services depending on who you are and what you're looking yeah. for. Maybe they'll just mm -hmm. open a, a bank account or a savings account. Um, but they, they, they have a wide range of services depending on the mm -hmm. type of person you are. So we would want to figure out who we're going to prioritize. Um, 
I guess I would assume banks would want to prioritize high net worth individuals uh, because those people are going to offer the highest, um, the largest volume of assets for them to manage. You would think so, yeah. But actually, uh, I just heard a story about yeah. the a Swiss bank that actually creates a, a negative a negative feedback towards people who make more money. So oh, they yeah? actually make it more expensive for people who have a higher net worth. So they almost need to pay a fine if they have too much, too much liquidity. So they need to, they need to basically buy either stock Mm -hmm. or gold or something else than, than, yeah, than just money. So (laughs) (laughs) otherwise they need to buy it. They need to pay for it like a tax for it. Interesting. Mm. But this actually makes people leave that bank. So right. I'm really wondering what, what their strategy is. Yeah. If they don't want any high net worth individuals or yeah. if they, what is their, what is their thinking behind it? It's interesting. So, so one way to zero in on banking in general is to think about, you know, how do people interface with banking and mm-hmm. how could we improve said experience? So, cause a, a bank would probably not come to us and say, Hey, can you revolutionize the banking industry? <laughs> yeah, um, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin. There you go. Hold. Um, decentralized economy. Um, no, but they would probably they'd probably ask, uh, you know, like how can we make our experience better? How can we how can we make our on, probably online banking system better? Because they're probably they may be coming. We you can use behavioral design or gamification in any format we can do it in the workplace you can do it in a in a personal life but most people come to us um looking to improve engagement in their apps so we'll kind of we'll kind of chunk down our focus to that so what has your experience been with using online banking apps they're usually quite frustrating and very function focused so they might show you some functionality yeah maybe they show you your account and you can pay something and you can get paid by somebody else. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you want to actually create some engagement on the platform, there's nothing there. Like there's nothing that wants you to keep you there. You, if you need to use it, you will use it. And it's usually easier than going to the bank itself. And it's, it's just simple just makes things fast. So there's a lot of quarter two, right? Um, mm-hmm. Development and accomplishment, yep. but definitely not a lot of quarter three impairment of creativity and feedback. Yeah. So you don't really feel empowered to stay there for longer. Right. Yeah. I, I want to uh, circle back to what you said about function focus. So when we say function focus, we mean people design systems, assuming the robots are going to use them. So someone who has like, they they just assume people have the motivation and they're bringing it to them, which in some cases is true with a bank. Like you need to pay your bills on time. You need to set up automatic Mm -hmm. payment. You need to deal with some kind of overdraft fee. Um, You need to put your money somewhere. All of these things are needs that do provide a lot of motivation for someone to come to your app. And no matter how bad the interface or experience is to use it, they will do it because they need to get their money in. So then, so then you're thinking the client says, um, yeah, so why do we need, why do we need to increase motivation or engagement? 
And the problem with this mindset of function focused or, or only optimizing for efficiency of use is that it doesn't create loyalty to a, to a brand or a company. And uh, basically what you see is different banks will offer different incentives, i.e. extrinsic rewards for customers to come in and people will just switch their bank. Yeah, because, definitely. And so there's no, this is not a good long-term strategy for a bank because banks are essentially become commodities to the clients or the mm -hmm. customers and they'll choose whatever bank gives them the best deal. And mm -hmm. that means that becomes a very expensive race to be at the top of because yeah. essentially you're paying people to be part of your bank, unless you're the bank that you talked about, Sabrina, which you're <laughs> charging people money to have money in exactly. your bank. Exactly. And you, you really want to create that ownership, that ownership and possession. So quarter of four, you really want people to feel like they are part of that, of that, of that bank and not just some random bank. It's that bank, right? right. And maybe even feel like some sort of community sense, so yeah. quarter five as well, social yeah. influence and relatedness. Yeah. And also create, give people the freedom to create some strategy about their money, getting excited about money. Wouldn't it be great if we are all excited about payments, like yeah. paying other people or getting paid or looking at our, <laughs> our, our right. income and, and yeah. what we're spending and yeah. getting excited about that it would be great right and actually one thing that my bank is doing well is i can actually choose what money i spend for what so i can like put it in sort of a tax mm -hmm. schedule so mm -hmm. like okay if i if i i, I uh, bought a game on monday i can i can mark it with a color and say okay this was games and then for that's yeah. awesome. Or when I go out in a restaurant, I can mark it as, as food or yeah. going out with friends or whatever. Yeah, I can yeah, just yeah. mark it and depending on the situation. And like that, I can actually create a strategy around my spendings right. and how much I'm actually spending for certain things because we lose track of that stuff. And that gives oh, you yeah. also some quarter of two development and accomplishment. So yeah. Good combo. That's a really, that's a really good idea. So, so, so let's say I'm the client and I'm like, guys, I really love pinball and I re I want you to make pinball. So I've spent hundreds of hours playing pinball. My kids have spent hundreds of hours playing pinball um, on their phone. They love Yoku's Island Express. And now, and now what can we do to make our online banking portal or app as cool, as engaging as that? So what would we, what would we not do? So what response? we wouldn't do is, for example, and I'm getting so excited about this, we put some money in there and then it, it just smashes around and maybe it falls out and we just lose everything. It's like a gamble, right? It's yeah. like, well, it would be like, maybe we get some bonus points if we hit the right target, like maybe randomly <laughs> we hit something and then we, we get some really cool points. Maybe yeah. we get like out of 10,000, we get like 100,000. You know how cool that would be? Yeah, yeah. Instead of, <laughs> instead of using your banking portal, it's just a pinball game. And, and if yeah. the ball falls below, you just lose a bunch of money. And, yeah. and yeah. if it goes up, you can gain, you can win money. Yeah, like you said, it's like mm -hmm. legal or not legal gambling in an app, basically. <laughs> so we would not do that. Um, and 
it, it's, it's very, it's very easy to want to just apply like flashing lights and sounds and scores and, and leaderboards and things to an experience to make it engaging. But, um, we would actually go uh, a level deeper than that. And the reason why we bring up the core drives in the first place is we, we start there. So we think about what was motivating, what's, in, what's interesting about pinball, what keeps people coming back. And we think about how we can apply those same motivations, but in the context of the business. So in the business metrics, player types, and we haven't talked about desired actions, but we would want to think about how to motivate people to do things like open an account or um, start online banking or schedule bill payments, or like you were saying, Sabrina, like mark which payments are going to which taxes, because that is like a huge thing that happens at the end of the year. Um, I really like that you brought that up because the, the place where my brain initially goes with this kind of brainstorming is banks are the cornerstone of the financial system of our financial lives. And yet we spend so little time engaging with our banks, but we spend a lot of time. I mean, it depends on who you are, but especially if you're like a freelancer, you spend a lot of time tracking your taxes, you spend maybe in a, in a program like Mint where you have a budget there or you are buying and selling stocks. Like there's all these adjacent services that banks could offer. I don't see why they wouldn't offer them. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for banks to absorb these other kinds of, of services underneath their umbrella. So that someone could say, oh, my bank is where all my financial stuff is handled. I use mm -hmm. it as a portal to buy stocks. I use it as a portal to, to um, track my budget, to make financial planning decisions. Um, there's lots of ways in which a bank could more directly service their users and then generate that loyalty you're talking about. Yeah. And I love that you say the portal. This makes me feel like you're entering this new world, this new universe of yeah. finances. Yeah. It actually make it something that you really want to come back to. That makes you feel excited. That makes you feel like, okay, I am able to strategize. I'm mm -hmm. able to actually change my life based on my finances and, and not being scared about losing money. Because right now, I think banks are mainly designed in a way that you just want to save money. You don't want to lose it. You're scared of, lose, of spending too much money to lose money. It's always about loss and avoidance, quarter of eight, which it, it creates obviously a lot of urgency. And same with tax as well. Taxes are kind of designed in a similar way. And it makes people feel bad in the long run about finances. It doesn't make them feel good. So I right. think having those, those strategies and possibilities to actually gain money is, is, would be really great. And even more, maybe we can take a little piece of the pinball yeah. as well based on, on, on social influence and relatedness. So you play together. Maybe you can even have certain certain freedoms to work with your family or work with your friends on saving up money for something that you want to do together so for example you want to go to a on a holiday with your friend you can save up together and and motivate each other on that account on that maybe it's online banking let's say in the app in the online banking app you can motivate each other to save up for that trip 
Yeah, I really like that. One of the most motivating, one of the most um, empowering things I ever did in the financial world was save money to move to Hawaii. Hmm. Like I had saved money for other things before that, but this is the first time I'd ever saved some saved money for two years in yeah. order to have enough money to move to Hawaii. And, and I wasn't making a lot of money then. So it was very difficult to save that money. It, it took a lot of effort and discipline. And I basically created my own system to do it in a spreadsheet and I did it um, with my partner. So uh, that, that kind of thing, that kind of experience can be facilitated by banks should they care about this sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. so I want to talk a little bit about um, Core Drive 7, unpredictability and curiosity, because that is, if we think about the pinball um, experience curve, so to speak, it starts out very black hat, which is like a bank. So like you said, there's a lot of loss and avoidance. There's a lot of maybe feeling of scarcity, like, oh, I don't have enough. I got to pay my bills or whatever. And there's the randomness, uh, there's randomness in the world. There's random things that cost money that you weren't expecting, or maybe bills show up uh, different times than you expect them to, or you subscribe to something and then you forget to cancel it. And so a random cost pops up. So a lot of people's experience of their money world is very random in a way that's not motivating. So one way we could bring it back into motivating is a simple feature, like say that you sign on to your bank uh, once a, if you want to come on once a day. I don't know if that's how long, how often people want them uh, customers there, but say it's maybe twice a week. Um, you could get a random financial tip, and you know from from experts, and that could be something where you start to feel oh, there's like a reason for me to come back to my banking app, <laughs> you know, and you don't even need to necessarily sign in to see this tip. Maybe you can just um, see a random tip and then you say sign in for a more personalized tip. So a personalized tip um, could be more core drive for ownership and possession. And we're talking about creating that loyalty. That's what's going to create it is this feeling like, oh, it's not just a transaction. It's this uh, organization knows me. And because it knows me, that feels like I have a lot of ownership and investment over it. And then you create what's called the, um, we call it the sunk cost prison. Uh, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because you, as you gain more ownership in a platform experience, whatever, you also create more loss and avoidance for leaving that platform. We were talking earlier about how clients have no reason not to just switch banks if they are offered better incentives. But what if the bank knows you so well, has a customized financial plan for you, um, you, you do your taxes there, they have all your tax information, you have your credit check there, they have all that information. If they have that information, and maybe this isn't legal, maybe there's like laws <laughs> that prohibit this much information being in one organization. But if there wasn't, then you have this feeling of, oh, they, they have everything they, they know everything, not about me in a bad way, but in a good way. And if in a way that makes me feel like, why would I go anywhere else? I would have to start all over. Yeah, you get that personalized support. And I think what makes me feel good about a bank is also if I get that feeling that they really care about me as a person and not, I'm not just a number, like a robot. Right. And that makes the difference, right? They thinking about the humans inside and not about the customer as another number. Yeah, that's right. Function focused design is easy. Human focused design is hard. And that's why not everyone does it. Um, 
but when you get good human focused design it's like it's night and day the difference in the experience and i will pay more money to have human focused design like i um uh i had a company that i use called ting for my phone i think i brought this up on a previous podcast but in this context uh i've seen better deals from verizon or at&t you know these large companies but I would rather pay more money because Ting has consistently incredible customer service and their mm -hmm. emails are just a great, they're great to read. You know, they say, look, we know you don't really care about reading an email from your phone company. <laughs> like, like that little <laughs> human touch is like, so that's like what people really care about in a world of increasing like disconnection um, mm, and usage of all this technology. Yeah, 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 definitely. And also, the personal let's say support so you have you actually have the people that give you advice financial advice and they care about you earning more money right so what what actually what i experienced before is even though i didn't even put money yet into that account they would invite me over coffee so i have like discovery phase basically yeah. still so the, the the phase where you haven't even signed up with the bank yet but they're inviting me personally i'm going to this really fancy building <laughs> i get coffee i get some chocolate obviously swiss chocolate <laughs> and there's this really nice person talking to me asking me personal but not too personal questions obviously but being really friendly and trying to sort out what what is my needs what are my actual needs and what do i want out of that right what could be a positive development for me they even gave me told me that they do startup support if i if i was to to start up a business or if i was to to move my business my, my own business is registered in the uk right now so I was talking to them maybe to move everything to, to Switzerland. They were like, oh yeah, we give you support. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a really interesting feeling because I didn't have that before. Like it would, it would, I would just be a number. And that's like the difference between that human focus and right. the, and the function focused again. Yeah, absolutely. So how would you bring in more white hat core drives. So we're mm. talking about, again, with the experience of pinball, as you get better at it, you start to feel it in a more white hat way. You start to look, try to optimize to get the highest score, or on the that's on the extrinsic side, and on the intrinsic side, you start using more strategy, um, you know, like hitting the ball just so, so you can get mm. the right bumpers, and then get the yeah. right, get a huge score, get that, crazy game-changing uh, <laughs> spiral thing that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think you could do really exciting little mini challenges for yourself. You can hit certain targets. You can say, okay, I want to save up to move to another country. You can have that target. Okay, what can I do to hit that target? And you get like specific support for that issue, right? How, how do I do that? And maybe somebody checks in with you as well every week and asks, hey, how are you doing? Or hey, you're on your track. That doesn't even need to be like a, a, an in-person if that's not possible for the bank, but it can be just 
a message that pops up if you are off your target or if you're on the right path to just give you that feedback, that instant feedback. And that's what games do so well, right? They, they give you instant feedback. But in finances, you never have that feedback. You just realize in the end of the month, oh my God, I'm like totally <laughs> off the target. Like I, I yeah. spent way too money on shopping. Yeah. I, would, I spent way too much money on meeting my friends and going to restaurants. Yeah. And, and like that, you can really target your goal, your specific goal, and if that's with some other people, again, you can make it more, more social as well. But especially quarter of three, uh, empowerment of, of creativity and feedback, enabling the people to choose their own targets and help them to reach them. And strategically, they can then play around with like, okay, what works, what doesn't work? Maybe they have some boosters as well. Maybe there's boosters hidden. Like if you are... Uh, paying in, and we, we have that sometimes with certain savings account, right? If we hit a certain amount, if we if we hit a certain amount, we get a booster, so we get double the 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 interest rate. Um, so that would be really interesting. That design, I think. What do you think? Yeah, that would be really. I really like that. And then if you add to that, so so that's the intrinsic. But if you add the extrinsic side of of giving people just financial literacy. So financial literacy is something that's not really talked about in our education system. I know for me, I was financially illiterate for a long, long time and just was very, I lived very reactively. Um, so it's like a pinball coming. It's like, I don't know. The money's coming. I don't know. I get it. Let me just whack it away. <laughs> That's me too. <laughs> like, oh, I got to pay this bill or, oh no, this happened. This emergency thing happened or whatever it is. And so uh, banks have the opportunity to be the knowledge source to actually give people real financial literacy and mm. you know they could start simple with you know the comps stuff like interest right what does interest do for you and do you have debt and how do you pay back your debt how do you prioritize which debt to pay back um because it can be an empowering experience to pay back debt for sure um i've been one of again one of the most empowering experiences i had before i saved money and moved to hawaii was paying off debt. I had to get a bunch of dental work done. Mm -hmm. I had a bunch of debt to pay. And just knowing that I could pay that debt down and be debt free was like so empowering. It's, it, it turned a very black hat experience into a very white hat one. I thought, wow, if I can pay that off, then I can actually save money for something that really matters to me. Cool. And so, yeah, creating progress markers and like you said, targets to hit and um, and giving people like real advice about how to do that and then setting up systems that help them automate it. Cause we know, um, from behavioral design that the more you have to rely on willpower, uh, the less likely people will consistently do something. And so one of the best things you can do to improve your financial, uh, state in life is to automate savings payments. For example, mm -hmm. is to just take that money away and it's like, it didn't exist. And, and it just, it just goes to a different account. Um, and we can take it a step further. There's actually a bank called, um, I believe, Aspiration that uses, that, that uses some of the money um, to donate, like it invests in renewable resources and things like mm -hmm. that. And so, so that is the future, I think, of banking is as people consider banking as a commodity, as it becomes easy to transfer your money from one bank to another via technology, 
than companies that have this greater mission. They're funneling their money towards something because we all know that banks make a lot of money. And so what is that money going to be used for? They can still be profitable and have a greater mission. We didn't talk about mm -hmm. that in the business metrics, but if you have all of this stuff in line and then you add on top of it a greater vision, then you become the go-to place where people want to put their money because Definitely. money is, is just an expression of value. And so what you're really saying is what, where, now that I can have a choice, where do I want to put my value? Where do I want, what, where do I want to say, this is valuable. This is what I want to support. So that's what's, I believe that's what's coming in the banking industry, not just, um, changing the experience of interacting with banks themselves. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really interesting thought because yeah, like you said, at the moment, it's all about making people feel bad and, <laughs> and there need to be some banks. So they, there will be, I think there will be some banks in the future that yeah. focus way more on yeah. the people and on the intrinsic motivation and on, on, on the, the, the white hat of the experience. So right. actually making to, people feel good about it. Mm. Are you going to use the bank to like empower local communities? Are you yeah. going to put the money locally and, and help out businesses that are struggling? So many businesses are closing right now yeah. in yeah, America. Exactly. It's like, who, who's going to help them out? And then exactly. if somebody helps them out, who are you going to support in the future? The bank that did nothing or in, in a huge unprecedented crisis or the bank yep. that put their money into helping revitalizing the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I also wanted to uh, circle back on what you were saying about it, banks make people feel bad. I don't think that's true. I just think they don't, they don't get in the way of people feeling bad <laughs> about interacting <laughs> <laughs> with the, with, with their financial system because it's, Interacting with your finances can sort of by default be very demotivating. Um, and so and it's scary. It's scary because yeah. of the, the, the whole design around it. Right. There's so much fear involved. There's so much fear and loss, yeah. loss aversion and risk aversion. And, and it's a problem of our whole society. That's not right. going to change right. <laughs> overnight, obviously. <laughs> That's right. I wish it would, but yeah. it's not that easy. But banking, you know, any, any bank has the opportunity to be a force to shift that balance, to mm -hmm. be the person who, while I'm playing pinball and going, ah, I'm just putting quarters in this machine and the ball keeps going down. I'm just losing money. Mm -hmm. And what's the point of this? Um, mm -hmm. To come in and say, no, no, like you can use strategy, hit the ball just like this, and then use the flipper to hit it just like that. Yeah. Exactly. Let's hit those targets. Let's hit those targets. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to hit your target for whatever industry you're in, banking or any other, um, please contact us at octalysisgroup.com. I'm at chris at octalysisgroup.com. And Sabrina, you are, where can people find you? So you can either write me an email under sabrina at octalysisgroup.com or I'm also at useradventure on Twitter. And you can actually find us on Twitter as well under at random rewards. So, yeah. yeah. And we have a Facebook group called Octalysis Explorers. Um, check us out there. And if you like this episode, and if you like this series, Random Rewards, please give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Bling, bling. 
you get some points as well if you do it. That's right. If you do it in the right <laughs> some order, cool sounds. you get more points. I swear. I, I do a really I do a really special sound effect. Yeah. If you write a, a really awesome random comment in our comment Ooh, section on Twitter. I like that. <laughs> special sound effect. The sound dang, effect, nice, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> a nice dangled reward. I like that. <laughs> So uh, yeah, um, if you'd like to know more about how we do this with businesses, you can also check out our case studies at octalysisgroup.com. Great. So what do we say to say goodbye? Until our, our next, next rewarding, rewarding time, time together. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.